Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's words of wisdom. It's been said that not all who wander are lost, and we're also told that the journey is the point, not the destination. But if both of those are true, then why do we feel so lost sometimes? <laughs> and just yearn for some sort of destination so we can feel that wonderful sense of arriving, of closure. Well, what we're experiencing in these moments is what the ego's favorite game is all about. It's called seek but do not find. It keeps us dissatisfied on the journey, feeling lost and yearning, and then it gives us some kind of little feeling of ending or closure or arrival, but then we're not satisfied again in the next moment. Oh, that feels good. Okay, what's next? Right? Nobody's ever done that. We just want to get a peek at the next moment instead of stopping long enough to enjoy this one. I hear you though, yeah, preacher, but you know, I need to see where I'm going. I got all these goals. I got all these things to do. Yeah, I get it because I got the same thoughts. But I found that if I can get my steps along this journey of life just a little bit slower, if I can take them just a little bit more deliberately, then the path that unfolds before me, amazingly, becomes less stressful, more joyful, and more likely to end up making me say, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <sighs> Drive with love. Drive with love. Drive with love. Drive with love. That was my mantra. I was chanting that to myself one fateful afternoon, driving to my then home in Peachtree City, just south of Atlanta, where I'd been working. I was very early in my new age spiritual journey. I had just started reading the works of Wayne Dyer. I was dabbling in some Eckhart Tolle, along with other progressive Christian authors like Bishop John Shelby Spong. And on this day, I was trying out the power of affirmations. Drive with love. Drive with love. I thought this one was particularly necessary since I had long been convinced that I would die before the age of 35 in a road rage incident in Atlanta's notoriously rude and rowdy roads. I was yeah. deep, deep into repeating my affirmation when I came upon an exit on I-75 where the majority of your daily commuters get off that exit to make their way home. So traffic on the right-hand side of I-75 would come to a dead stop at least a mile, at least a mile before the actual exit. Those of us who were continuing on to other exits, however, we would move over into the other lanes. But the lane that always seemed to keep moving, albeit slower than the rest, was the far left lane. And so that is where I steered my 2001 Honda Accord on that day. Drive with love. <sighs> Drive with love. Drive with love. 
I was having a good time drive with love. On this day, though, the usually moving far left lane ground to a halt. Mm. It's okay. It's okay. Drive with love. Drive with love. Drive with, oh, crap. <laughs> I glanced in my rearview mirror. And I saw this old battered white panel van coming up behind me and I knew in an instant, in those instants that you just know stuff, he was not going to stop mm. in time. You just knew it. it. I glanced around for options. I couldn't go to my right. Traffic was stopped there. You know, this happened like in an instant, but it seems like it took forever. So I'm like, okay, there's no room over there, no room at the end, no, no way to go right. To my left was a very narrow shoulder and the dividing wall, big wall, shoulder about that big, and that's where I had to go. So I steered my car to the left and I inched forward, and I hadn't gone very far before I felt the impact oh. of the passenger van on my rear passenger side. Wow. And that propelled me down the shoulder, and I rode motorcycles, and I know the first thing you learn on a motorcycle is that your motorcycle goes wherever you look. That's how you can do a figure eight. You look over your shoulder, because you, you want to look at where you arrive, not where you are. <laughs> so I just kept my eyes forward. I was not going to look at that wall because I knew I'd go right into it. So by the time I stopped, I was like four cars up from where I had started. And behind me, I could see that the van, after hitting me and propelling me up the shoulder, had hit the car that had been in front of me, and they had hit the car in front of them. And we had all been party to the daily four-car pileup in Atlanta's rush hour. So when the cops arrived, they stopped all the lanes of traffic and moved us over to the right-hand side. And that it was at this point that the woman who had been the driver in front of me walked up to me and said with contempt, I see how you moved out of the way so that van would miss you and hit me instead. My drive with love mantra was gone. <laughs> And I told her with equal contempt, lady, I was just trying to move out of the way because I was trying to give him room to not hit any of us. She stormed off. I fumed. Here I was, doggone it. I was trying to do a good thing. I was trying to give the man room to stop and this ungrateful winch. She couldn't see that I'm the spiritual one here, yeah. damn it. Yeah. I was driving with love. I don't know what the rest of you idiots were doing. <laughs> Come on. You can't even cut some girl with some slack here. Give me a little credit for driving with love. The thing is, this was my second traffic accident after about six months. <laughs> the first one happened in downtown Atlanta where I hit a woman who turned left in front of me at an intersection right in front of Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, uh, church, as a matter of fact. Talk about driving with love. But I couldn't understand why all this was happening. I'm trying to get all spiritual and stuff and get rid of my anger issues and crap just keeps coming up that pisses me off. What's happening? I was failing so badly at this love, light, and peace thing. But the good news is, 
this feeling of going one step forward and two steps back on the spiritual path, I am here to tell you the good news, that's a sign of progress. As A Course in Miracles reminds us of this morning, we can be hostage to the ego or host to God. So the thing is that when we decide we're going to break free from the ego's control and make room to host the holy, the ego goes, oh no, you don't. And it fights back. It seeks to show us who is boss by wreaking havoc in our lives. Car accidents happen. Relationships end. Jobs disappear. Resources dry up. All manner of calamity seems to bust forth in our lives. And a course tells us that the ego is suspicious at best and vicious at worst. So it will try everything, everything it knows to do to keep you its hostage. So even though I had never heard of A Course in Miracles at this time, there was something deep within me that called me to keep going on the spiritual path, even though the ego was doing its best to convince me that all this was futile, and it kept telling me I was a failure at all this woo-woo stuff. But despite all the chaos in this time, despite all that chaos, there would be moments where I would reach a deep peace, moments where I knew this was the right path, no matter what the circumstances were around me, no matter how much chaos was out here. And Buddhist nun Pema Chodron says, it's all normal. This is all normal on our spiritual path and recommends a mindset of curiosity instead of being discouraged by our seeming failure or the chaos that seems to break out. As long as we experience strong emotions, she says, even if we also experience peace, we will feel that we have failed. It's far more helpful, she advises, to remain curious about why these emotions are coming up and what seems to quell them. So our goal is not spiritual perfection. It's not even spiritual success, whatever that is. But she says it is to experience a goalless, there's not an end to the journey, a goalless exploration that includes our so-called failures, because this is where we can develop what she calls unconditional friendship with ourselves. This one step forward and two steps back journey, it teaches us compassion, she notes. It breaks us out of the ego's prison. So here's the good news this morning, jubilance. You will feel like a failure in your goal of spiritual growth and awakening. But that is one of your best markers of progress. So I invite you this morning, jubilance, to check out who's in the driver's seat of your life this morning. Are you being chauffeured around by the fearful ego? If so, maybe it is time to let love take the wheel and drive for a while. Breathe deep. That moment when we feel squeezed, as children calls it, when the fearful ego is driving our life right over a cliff and chaos seems to get the best of us, we have to train ourselves not to run from this feeling, but to use it as a tool to loosen the ego's grasp on us. These times of chaos, children says, are not an obstruction in our path. They are the path. So they become powerful tools to, for us to awaken when we can experience the miracle of a new perspective. Children offers three practices for working with those dark and chaotic times of life. The first method she calls no more struggle. 
and it invites us to learn how to stop fighting with ourselves whenever thoughts arise during meditation. So instead of struggling with circumstances or emotions or moods, children invites us to simply label it as thinking. So something comes up that bothers you, I was just thinking, thinking, I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm not anxious, I'm not sad, I'm not tired, I'm just thinking, that's just a thought. And return to that calm center of your mind. Whatever or whoever arises, children says, train again and again in looking at it and seeing it for what it is without calling it names, without hurling rocks, without averting your eyes, let all those stories go. If this seems too difficult, there's another way that children recommends. It's called using poison as medicine. So difficult situations that seem poisonous to us can be used, she says, as fuel for waking up by using a breathing practice known as Tonglen. So instead of trying to get rid of conflict or chaos or feelings of despair, we breathe them in, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. So when we feel angry, breathe in the anger. This is the human condition. We breathe for everyone. We're not special in our suffering. If we breathe in the commonality of that human experience, then we gain a new perspective on what we call problems and we, what we wish for to be free of our suffering, but we wish everyone to be free of suffering. So as we breathe out, we send out a sense of big space, children calls it, a sense of freshness with the wish that all of us could relax and experience the innermost essence of our mind. So we bring in that anger or that frustration at the world and we breathe out the space where we all can relieve our suffering of that common experience. The third method is an echo of what a course tells us this morning about real freedom. The course says it depends on welcoming reality and of your guests only the Holy Spirit is real. The ego is not. It is in this spirit that ego instructs us to see ourselves as already awake, see ourselves as already free from the ego so we can welcome reality and see the world as already sacred. When we move in the world this way, when we see peace and love and joy as present in every moment, then we dissolve our feelings of separation and we see our ultimate unity. And as a course puts it, know then who abides with you merely by recognizing what is there already? The world is already sacred. The holy is already within you. Do not be satisfied with imaginary comforters, it says. For the comforter of God is in you. Only the Holy Spirit, only love is real. The rest of it, not. So now you've got three tools to use in this moment when you notice your ego's in the driver's seat. No more struggle. That invites you to release your stories and judgment about your thoughts and emotions using poison as medicine, which invites you to breathe in those seemingly toxic feelings so they can be recognized and healed within ourselves and for the world and breathing out that space for healing. And then seeing the world is already sacred. See it for what it already is. That invites you into the miracle of a new perspective to see the original blessing of us all and melt away those feelings of separation in every moment. Buddhists call these practices taking the middle way, which invites us to avoid the extremes of our lives. And it reminds me of that day on the highway 
on the extreme right-hand side of the road, all the traffic was stopped, waiting to get off on that exit. They couldn't make any more progress until somebody up ahead of them moved. They were stuck. And over on the extreme left-hand side of the road, they were people like me, impatient. We were all rushing to get home. We were hoping to stop. We were hoping to avoid stopping at all. Even if we went slowly, we still felt like we were accomplishing something. We all know what happened over there in that left-hand lane when we're in a rush. I want awakening and I want it right now. Woohoo! let's do it. We crash into one another. We make a mess. You know, those who were in the middle lane that day when I was driving home, they all got to where they were going without incident. They may have, huh? <laughs> From my perspective, they all got home. They may have had to slow down and take a little more time than they wanted to, but they all arrived intact in my world. But that's the wisdom of the middle way. We avoid the extremes of either being stuck or the extreme of being frantic and restless. The middle way takes practice and discipline, children says. When we train in letting go of thinking that anything, including ourselves, is either good or bad, we open our minds to practice with forgiveness and humor. And we practice opening to a compassionate space in which good or bad judgments can dissolve. We practice letting go of our idea of a goal and letting go of our concept of progress because right there in that process of letting go is where our hearts open and over and over again. So jubilance, where are you on your spiritual journey this morning? Is your world filled with chaos, with uncertainty? Do you feel stuck? Do you feel frantic? If so, you might want to check out the driver's seat of your life because I can bet that the ego is right behind the wheel, taking you over the cliff. But the good news is that when we become aware of those feelings, we can become curious about them. We don't have to let them overtake us. We don't have to tell a story about it. Just be curious. Hmm, there's thinking. There's thinking going on. Work with them instead of fighting against them. And I can't say that my spiritual path got immediately easier in the aftermath of this accident. It still took me years, still working on it, <laughs> of working with my own emotions and learning more from a myriad of teachers before I felt like I was really starting to make more progress. But that's not even the goal. Progress is even the goal. <laughs> it's goalless. But chaos still continues to erupt in life from time to time. But now, now I'm more prepared to check the driver's seat and detach from the ego's stories and judgments about what's going on because I'm increasingly aware and very picky about who I'm going to let drive my life in this moment. I'm always ready to welcome spirit, Holy Spirit, the only thing that's real, back in the driver's seat. Our spiritual growth, jubilance, it will always be a process. This is a lifelong learning project that we have embarked upon. But if we stick together, if we stick together in those middle lanes, not veering off into the extremes of stuckness or the extreme of recklessness, then we can make steady progress together. And we will ultimately find ourselves merging together as one spirit that is always, always 
driving with love. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, oh yeah. Yeah.